Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. It is day three of Rise Conference. It is my favorite day of Rise Conference. It is the high energy. It is the map out your dreams. It is dream bigger than you ever thought that you could. But before we jump in, we have to set our intention. So does anyone remember what the intention was on day one? You are in control. Day one, you are in control of your past, of your response to the world around you, you are in control. Day two, you matter most. You cannot take care of everybody else if you don't first take care of yourself. You matter most. Day three, it's up to you. No one is gonna fix this. No one is gonna make this better. If you have the greatest support system in the world, if you have no support system at all, it's up to you. At the end of the day, what happens in your life is yours to hold. And so what I want to show you again and again and again today are women just like you, men just like you, who had an idea, who had a vision, who stepped into that vision, who did not know what the hell they were doing, and they just kept trying to figure it out. Yeah? Okay, so you you got to see the greatest. You got to meet my friend Sharice if you have never seen her before. If you do not follow her on social media, you're going to need to do that right now because that energy and love and humor comes at you all the time. She spoke on panel with us, I think in Minneapolis a couple of years ago. We became social media friends and I think she's such an incredible representation and she told you a bit of her story there of just like, I'm going to figure it out and I'm gonna follow my gut, and I'm gonna keep trying, and I'm gonna keep moving, and I'm gonna keep flowing. And what I love is being in community, like the people that you're seeing as speakers, like all all the people that you've seen so far are my friends. And these are friends that I have made doing this work, connecting on social, being in community. And certainly you will connect with people while you're here that sort of, you're like, oh, she was nice, but there's nothing, like it's not a soul connection. And then hopefully you make those memories while you're in this space with someone that you're like, oh, damn, I'm going to get to watch you evolve for the rest of our lives. I'm going to be in your life. I'm going to hold you accountable. We're going to do this work together. So what I'm trying to show you are people who are just like you. Because when we talk about big dreams and we think of big things, we're always like, oh, yeah, but she had more connections or she had money or she had resources or she is like so extroverted and I'm so introverted. We make up all of these excuses for why that can be her truth, but not our own. So today is all about get inspired, get pumped up, and maybe 
as these women are talking, or later when I talk to Tom, or later when I talk to Liz, that you will pick up a little nugget that was meant just for you and your dream. Okay? Okay. All right. Please help me to welcome these amazing, amazing gals. Guys, will you come up? Let's have a chat. These women gave up their most precious resource to be here with you today, which is what? Their time. So let's be gracious. I would love if we could just go down the row. We're gonna start with you, Erin, and you tell them who you are, what you do, like give us an overview. Okay. Hi, I'm nervous, so <laughs> bear with me. My name's Erin. <laughs> I'm a makeup artist. I've been a freelance makeup artist for 20 years. And just recently, I started a beauty department at a store here in Austin called By George. And so I am there as the beauty curator and makeup artist at the store. Also, Erin is responsible for this, by the way. (laughs) Y'all have seen me when I don't have makeup on, so you know that I do not look like this naturally. So that's all her. Kimberly. Hi, ladies. Thank you for letting me be here, Rachel. It's an honor. I am nervous as well. (laughs) My inner child's like, ah. But I own a business called TK Stretching, so I get people out of pain physically and emotionally. Our motto is stretch your lifespan, and so I don't just stretch the physical, I also stretch the spiritual. So I go a lot into inner child work and healing the ancestors. So if you have heard me talk over the last two years about inner child stuff, energy work, energy healing, it is Kimberly that I'm referring to. Um, And actually, another woman was supposed to be on panel, and she got sick last minute. And when I found out that she got sick, Kimberly was in the room with me, and I was like, it's supposed to be you. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. (laughs) Yeah, so she's here. And I thought it was like such a beautiful... Um, opportunity for those of you who are in the room or watching at home who really want to weave the spiritual, who want to weave that that groundedness into the work that you're doing, because I think Kimberly does it so beautifully. And I also don't know that I would be in the place that I am after my divorce if it wasn't for you. So thank you, Rachel. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Your turn. Hi, my name is Jane, and I run A Taste of Cocoa, which is an awesome-based food and travel blog, and I'm very honored to be on stage today and also be able to speak in front of everyone. Right. Uh, so what I think is really rad about the work that you have done, is anyone in Austin and you're familiar with A Taste of Cocoa? Right. I think you have, are so freaking smart, and I don't know if there was strategy behind this or if you just sort of naturally fell into it, and I'd love to hear. When someone is looking to create in that space, in the influencer space, if you're sort of building a blog or building a YouTube following, it is so genius to take over a city. It's so smart. You are, you are the influencer in Austin. It's like you and Willie Nelson, for real. <laughs> was, that, was that intentional? Was that, or were you just sort of like, I'm going to follow this organically and see what it is? No, and thank you for saying that. It's very kind. No, it definitely wasn't. And I think I've been thinking a lot, very inspired from all the panels and conversations that we've had so far this morning. And, you know, I didn't grow up one day. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a creator, influencer. I want to take over the state. That was definitely not my little childhood dream. My little childhood dream was to become a librarian. I had big, big aspirations. Um, That didn't pan out, unfortunately. (laughs) No, I grew up in a really small town of 10,000 people, Port Lavaca, South Texas. Anyone familiar with South Texas? (laughs) Very small area. 
And growing up, I was always surrounded by everyone that knew exactly what they wanted to do. And they were always great at everything. And I just wasn't good at anything through <laughs> grade school, even to college and to the moment I moved to Austin and being in such a big campus and big city, I just felt really lost and alone. Something happened in 2010 when I was like, okay, I have to take charge of my life because from here on out, it's only going to be me and I have to take care of me. And I was reading a couple of national blogs by women and I was like, this is so cool. They've built these websites. They write about things that they're interested in. I want to do that. So I got on Google and Googled how to build a website. And I built my first website. I dreamed up the name A Taste of Coco, because my last name is Co. And I originally started as a recipe blog because I loved baking. It was something that I loved doing when I was little. And I had no readership for two years. And I'm not sure why I kept going because it's quite discouraging to be writing to nobody. It's like no one cares. <laughs> and I, I think two years then I had a restaurant that reached out to me and said, hey, uh, found your food blog. Would you be interested in coming in? I was like 21, 22. So getting invited by a restaurant to come eat for free food is a really big deal when you're living on 99 cent chicken nuggets on campus. I was like, yeah, I'd love to come write about the food, eat the food, and I'll have to do the dishes. That sounds like the best situation ever. And I wrote one restaurant review and just started doing more and more. And now in the last 11 years, I've been to hundreds of restaurants and I taste of cocoa. I kind of became this thing, like it's still very odd to me when I'm out and about and they're like, oh my gosh, you're a taste of cocoa or you're that girl on TikTok. And I'm right. like, yes, I have made it cool on TikTok <laughs> the last couple of months. But no, this is not something I ever, I didn't have like a strategy or I don't think I've ever been like the smartest person in the room, but I think along the way, I've been very resourceful. Mm, that's awesome. Kimberly, how did you get into this work? So I got into this work when I was, well, 22 years old, I decided I wanted to start my own business. And I always had that within me and um, come from a very entrepreneur family starting their own businesses. And when I went to college, it wasn't, I was like, this isn't, this isn't for me. And I had this gut feeling prior to what I do now, I was a personal trainer. And at the age of 22, I was like, I'm going to start this on my own, start my own business. Didn't know what I was getting into. And when I was starting my own business, I only had just a couple clients. And I remember I had like $10 in my account. And, but I had this faith and this confidence in myself. And I kept hearing from source, this is what you need to do. And I just had that strong intuition. And I was like, I'm not going to give this up. And so I kept pushing, pushing forward. And if it wasn't for the confidence, I definitely would not be where I'm at today. And then eventually personal training led into the fascial stretch therapy work, this body work that I do to release the fascia tissue within our body. So I got into that, loved it, and I started seeing the crazy results within people just by stretching them. People who've been in pain for so long, they get instant results. People who shrunk over the years because of scoliosis or because we age, they started getting their height back. And so I become so intrigued with the fascia work. So started getting into that. And then I made that leap of faith. And I was out in Arizona, had my own business, built it up from the ground bottom. And my, this, I met my partner, long story short, 
I had this gut feeling that we needed to come out to Austin. Nobody in Austin knew about fascial stretch therapy, the work that we were doing. And so I heard that calling from source again and to make that leap of faith. And so we moved, sold everything, came to Austin, had no clients, but I just knew we needed to be here. And when I got to Austin, that's when the doors opened on the spiritual side. One of my mentors who taught me with fascial stretch therapy, he's like, you need to go take this course called the Walla Method. Had no idea what it was about, but my gut feeling was, you need to go take it. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go take this course. Had no idea what it was. And that's what really opened up the door spiritually. I was dealing with so much health issues, gut issues, thyroid issues, acne, chronic neck pain for years and years and years. So that's why I really got into the health industry. But nothing was really solving it until I started dressing the emotions that my inner child was holding on to. And our subconscious doesn't know the difference between time. So what happens to us in the past that was never healed, whether it's with ourselves or whether it's with our ancestors, can still be affecting us today. And so within that year of 2018, when I took the course, I started noticing I had no more gut issues. My acne cleared up. My chronic pain I had for years, I had to go to a chiropractor every two weeks, was completely gone. And I had no idea the power of our emotions. And that's what got me here today, is really listening to that, that inner voice. Yeah. I feel like we're hearing that a lot today. Do you notice? I always find it not fascinating, but like so magical when keynote speakers who pre-recorded something last week are saying something that then we're hearing this. Like, I always just feel like we're getting sort of a universal message. And maybe it's because one person in this room or maybe many people or someone watching at home needs to remember, or we all need to remember as women to trust that intuition that's in inside of us that tells us to go in a direction. So Erin, how did you get into this work? Well, I grew up in Los Angeles in the suburbs in the San Fernando Valley. And I was out of the house on my own at 20. I always knew I wanted to be in the industry, something in the industry. And I was working at a record label and I was working seven to seven crazy hours, not making any money. And I was like, what, I gotta do something else. I hate being in office. I'm 20 years old. I was going to college, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Same thing, I was just, you know, rambling along. My parents, they had worked in the film industry. They were, um, did catering and my dad was a pyrotechnician. And so I always knew about sets and I I really wanted to be on sets because I wanted to be outside and never going back to the same office. So really practically, I thought, well, I'll go to makeup school. But I never wore makeup. I, you know, I just wasn't, I never was the kid that was getting dolled up. It was a real practical choice. And I was like, hope I like it. And so I went to makeup school. (laughs) I went to makeup school and it wasn't again that I liked makeup. I really liked the connection with women. Mm. And that just kept inspiring me to move along. So I went to makeup school and then I, this was a long time ago. This is like 17 years ago before social media. So I went to, found an agency and I got on their assistant list for hair and makeup. And I just, I followed people, really amazing, talented people. And I learned how to develop a skill. 
And that's what I'd been doing for the past 17 years. And then I moved to Austin seven years ago. And I was like, what am I going to do? There's no industry here, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, good point. Just twiddling my thumbs. And it was really, really, really hard. I felt like I didn't know my identity and I had worked so hard at this one career. And now I'm in Austin. I'm just hanging out. And so since then, I was like, what am I going to do? And I was traveling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back to LA. And here I would just hang out. I wasn't doing anything like go to yoga, grocery shop, you know. (laughs) When I had my son, who's almost three, I decided, okay, I'm not going to travel anymore. Traveling is just too much. And I started thinking, what am I going to do? And, you know, you start, you, you see other people and you're like, I could do that. So I thought, I'll be a makeup artist influencer. I'm yeah. going to do a video. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and so, you know, I like did the video and I was just like, oh, that's so much work. Yeah. So much work. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. And I would think and think and think and think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it dawned on me that they, there's nowhere in central Austin that has a place for a super curated, tight edit of makeup and skincare products and hair products. I'm always going up to the domain, the mall, and... In LA, we had Barney's. We had cool places that you could go and you could get all of your shopping done. So we have, if you guys are familiar with By George, it's been around for 43 years. It's a local institution here, um, high-end luxury fashion for men and women and a little bit of home, but there was no beauty. And so I came up with a mood board. This was during COVID. I was like, not doing anything except for running. So I came up with a mood board and I was like, okay, I'm going to present to By George that they should have a beauty department and I should curate it. (laughs) (laughs) So I just asked so many questions and so many people, um, friends that have businesses of like, how should I do this? What do I need to know? And I just was really lucky that it aligned with them and... Now there is a beauty department at By George, and I am there. Yeah. And doing people's makeup and doing what really matters most is connecting with women. Yeah. And that's been my focus and inspiration since day one. Very cool. And what I love too, I think there's something really interesting, having worked with so many hair and makeup artists over the years, is as women, oftentimes, and we were talking about this last night at dinner, um, we will tell ourselves that someone else has already done it. Like we have this idea in our head, we have this dream and that, oh, but somebody else is already doing that thing. And I have had hair and makeup done so many times and I've never had it done the same way. Mm-hmm. Even if I sort of give the same direction of what I want, everybody has their own artistic style. Like I love your work because it, I feel like I still look like myself. And then I have people who've like done very glamorous and like I can see the artistry and what that is as well. And so your job specifically, I think, is such a good reminder that there's a million ways to do the same profession. And that there are people who absolutely are the makeup influencer and they love it, but that you tried it and it just wasn't your thing. Kimberly, I'm really curious how, you know, your job is such that it's easier to say, you start with like, I do this stretching thing. But anybody who meets you knows it is something way different. Trip everybody out. Everybody, I have sent so many people to Kimberly. uh, I've never had someone leave and not be like, what just happened? (laughs) 
And I'll tell you guys, the first time that we worked together, it was for stretching. Because when I go and I do conferences like this, I always have fascia stretching afterwards because um, your muscles really tense up from being on stage so much. And the first time she came to my house in, and it was during COVID. Yeah, and it was during COVID. And she ran her hands down, like she was stretching and she like barely touched my neck and I started choking. And she was like, what just happened? I was like, oh no, yeah, um, anytime anyone gets, um, near my throat, I start to choke. And she was like, <laughs> and, and she was there to stretch me. She was like, can I, can I just work on you? And I was like, I'm go, we're going to hell. Like we're going, <laughs> I was raised to believe that this is all, I was like, oh no, Jesus be near. And I remember just because I think this is so fascinating. I was telling the girls yesterday, she's like, oh, your throat chakra is blocked. Like this has nothing to do with physical. This is you're, and on the left side of your body, so your left side is feminine and your right side is masculine. And so she says, oh, who's the woman in your life that you're not speaking truth to? And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And it, it was yesterday she was working on me and she was like manipulating me like a Gumby on my throat. And I was like, Kim, do you remember when we started? You literally couldn't even tr- touch me here. I choked to death. Uh, so how in the world... Do you ha- hold space for this purpose that you have in life and this company that you've created that most people can't even wrap their minds around what you're doing? Great question. So w- when I work with an individual, what I do is whether you believe it in God, universe, source, higher self, what I do is I get my ego and my persona out of the way because that can block the healing with that individual. So I give the universe permission for me, I give God permission to work through me. And when I do that, the doors start opening and that's where the real healing starts happening because the ego will try to come in and try to control, oh, look what I can do. I I just help this person. No, honestly, I am not helping anyone. I'm guiding. And when I get the ego out of the way, that's where the real beauty starts happening because I'm just, honestly, I, here I am. I still got my stuff I got to work on. As you can tell, my throat chakra, <laughs> <laughs> my inner child, <laughs> but I'm working on her. But with our chakras, they are our energy centers. And so if there's an emotion stagnant in an energy center, what happens, it's going to start manifesting into some kind of, kind of physical symptom to get our attention. So Rachel, for instance, when I first met her, consciously, like she doesn't, she's not aware of what I really do, but her subconscious knows, her soul knows. And so when I start stretching her and when I get to the neck, all of a sudden she starts choking and coughing because her soul knows that I can guide her. And she had a lot of emotions blocked in her throat chakra. And so that's God telling me, okay, you need to guide her. You need to guide her. And so that's when I was like, so Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have permission to go a little deeper with you? Because the physical, we're so much more than just this physical body. We're so much more. Everyone's focusing on this physical body, stretching. Yes, massage. All of it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But if you want to get to the root cause of your pain, you need to go a little deeper, a little deeper. Majority of it is emotional. Right. 
I'm curious, um, I'm thinking through the lens of what I started this day with, Jane, uh, talking about this idea of community. And so much of what you do is about building a community of people who you will never actually meet in person. Uh, can you, and I know that we have people in the room who are wanting to build digital communities in the same way that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about how you did that and how you continue to do that and sort of grow it into something greater? I think it's just been baby steps. Like I kind of look at the last 11 years, like every single day I build a couple of bricks. And I think in the last couple of years, a lot of people have been like, oh my gosh, you've been an overnight success. And I'm like, no, this is 11 years. Right. 11 years, about 90 to 100 hours a week. I'm not kidding. Like even when I self-published my book and I remember I was like fulfilling orders on New Year's Eve, like 400 books, hand wrapping them because the stores had ran out. And I was like, oh, this is a low moment. Let's make sure we never get to this moment again. <laughs> and we're going to work smarter, not harder. But when I think about along the way, like I said, I came from a really small town, only child, female, family immigrated here. Like I never had a sense of community. I was very shy, didn't have a lot of like self-confidence or courage. But I think for moving here from Austin and like gradually like sharing one story after another. And like, I started my brand, A Taste of Cocoa, in the kitchen of these restaurants. Like I used to sit on the counter in the restaurant with these chefs and just watch them cook. And they would like, let me eat out of the pan, which is probably not health department allowed. But <laughs> that's how I started sharing stories. And when I think about my brand, it's not necessarily about me. And it was actually never meant to be about me. It was meant to be a platform for me to share other local businesses and other local restaurants. And I think I don't know the strength of my own voice and my platform, my community. I think that applies for all of us until when you ask for help. And I think a lot of us have said we don't know how to ask for help. And I'm very much a self-starter. I don't like asking for help. I'm like, I'll just do it. I'll do it on New Year's Eve at 2 a.m. because who else is going to be wrapping books here with me um, <laughs> while everyone's out drinking champagne? So during lockdown, when all the restaurants and businesses were forced to close and thousands of service industry workers were laid off, I had hundreds of restaurant owners and service industry reach out to me that first week and said, what do I do? I just lost my job and I have three kids at home or I'm a restaurant owner. I had to lay off 80% of my staff and these people have been employed with me for five years now. Like how do I feed them so they can feed their families? And so I rallied with another girlfriend and we launched Hunter for Hospitality, raised $14,000 to provide 4,000 meals to <laughs> laid off service industry workers by purchasing these meals from local restaurants so we could start opening doors and that was like a little spark I felt like I had. I was like, oh, if I asked my community, some of them listened and there's so much beauty in that. And then in February, when Austin got hit with the winter storm on Valentine's Day weekend, I again kind of heard the cries of the community. We just didn't know how bad things were until things got really bad. Mm -hmm. And I again rallied with an all-women team because for the crazies that will work till 3 a.m. trying to put together a ma massive Excel sheet. And I reached out to 200 restaurants that evening and said, who will open for me in the morning? I will pay you. Wow. And the secret is we didn't have any money. I was like, <laughs> I'll figure that out. Like I had a couple of restaurant owners like, Jane, is this like last time when you didn't have money, but then you were like, you have money, so I'll open and you'll just figure it out. I'm like, yeah, don't worry find the money, the money always comes. And I've always kind of said like money is the least of the problem because it will come if you're doing something authentically and if you can rally your audience. Yes. And in the first 
12 hours, we raised $20,000. It just came flooding in. And in just a little over a week, we raised $160,000 and provided 40,000 meals to major hospitals, EMS, low-income housing, and to the general community. And I will not take credit for this because it was my community, it was the city of Austin. And I think when you have the right energy and the and it comes from a good place for your community or for yourself, like people will step in and say, I will, I will join you and like let's help do this together. Gosh. I love, love, love this because yes, it absolutely was a community and it was a city of Austin, but it needs a leader. And I will like be a hundred years old and sort of like barely moving around and I'll still be trying to tell women like, we are the greatest leaders <laughs> because it needed someone to, to lead out in that way. And you had already spent so much time investing in these people and showing up for them, meaning online, that you had their trust. So when you raise your hand and you say, guys, let's do something, people want, I believe deeply, people want to help. They want to help, they want to show up, and they don't know how. So that is freaking awesome that you did that. <laughs> Next you. time, call me. I'll, I'll help. And I, uh, can I add something Yeah, of course. Oh my because gosh. I think from after that event happened, so many people, even city council came to me and was like, would you consider joining this? I'm like, no. No interest. Don't want to do city council. That's the much <laughs> of my activists. <laughs> Hopefully don't call me again when there's a natural disaster, but <laughs> like unemployed, un, unpaid employee by the city. But I think what I want to say is there have, like for me, there have been many doors that have been closed. Like I, again, like was not given all these things. Like I have earned every single dollar that I have in my bank account. And it started from a very, very small amount. I started doing my blog full time in 2015. And this is a story that most people do not know. And I have only shared it maybe a handful of times is I was working actually at a company in 2014 and 2015. Worked 80 hours for the company, loved the company, loved the mission. However, super toxic environment. And when I think back to this one, I'm like, thank goodness this moment happened. So what happened was I started getting some recognition from organizations and brands who were like, hey, will you come and talk to our company about how you built your personal brand? One of those companies was Whole Foods for their global team. So it was a pretty big freaking deal for me at the age of 24. And when I went to back to the office the next day, my boss asked me to come to the conference room and you know, you're kind of expecting like, oh, congratulations, big deal. Instead, he was like, I have worked too hard up this corporate ladder to get to where I am. It's not fair that you have been granted all the success at such a young age and the city might consider you a leader, but you will never be a leader. <gasps> okay. And this is from a much older white male. Right. And... Love those, yes. And when I think back and I'm like, thank you for saying that because I have worked so hard to prove not just him, but so many other people along the way that were like, you can't do this. Why are you doing this? You can't do this. You can't be a leader. Like, just prove them wrong and keep on going. Yeah, love that. You know, all three of you have said some version of having a teacher, having a mentor, being an assistant, um, having a mentor, sitting in kitchens and sort of learning. And I think that in a world where we do see social media and we do see people sort of 
they have been working on it for 10 years or 15 years or five years. We see that and we don't understand the part of that journey where they were students. And I think that if you have been a student, you will always be a student. And you will always sort of have that attitude of openness and wanting to receive. But do any of you have some thoughts on like, if you're wanting that, if you're craving that? Because I used to sit in business conferences and people would be like, you need a mentor. And I would be like, you're damn right. Explain to me how I find one. Because they don't grow on trees as far as I know. So do you all have ways that you've, you've found mentorship or, or leadership? What's helped me tremendously, and then this is a very the spiritual side, is if we're trying to control it, it's going to be really hard for that to be open. But what I do is I give universe God permission to lead me that mentor. Mm -hmm. So it opens up. Everything in life is free will, right? So when we give ourselves permission, it helps open up that door. And that's what helped me tremendously within my business is that I'm like, look, there's only so much I can control. The rest, I'm putting this in your hands, God, in universe's hands. And it's crazy what has happened with my business. It's nuts. Right. You said you did that with your, I'm, I'm sharing something personal, but I think it's okay. You said you did that with your husband too, right? That that's how you... You're yes. like, I'm not thing. good at this. The universe has got to take control. It's the same thing I did with my husband, how I met him. I was like, obviously, I cannot pick the right men in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so one day I just prayed out loud. And it was the very first time I prayed out loud. I've never prayed out loud. And I'm like, look, God, I am not picking the right man for me. So I'm putting this, long story short, I'm putting this in your hands. I fully trust you. I have confidence in you. And then once I did that, I feel like a huge weight was just lifted off of me. Yeah. Like a huge weight. And then a week later, (laughs) he ends up writing me and I met him. But within the business aspect, what I've noticed how my business has grown so much is I gave God permission to be the CEO. I am not the CEO. I'm just the vessel for you to work through. And same thing with money. I gave myself permission to be on God's payroll. It's infinite. That's so good. And it's also, there's something similar to what Jane said of this idea, which I love. And I don't think people talk about enough. The money is the least of your problems. It's here. Yes. Yeah. The money will come. It is infinite. Yep. It is abundant. You cannot, there's so, at any given moment, if, if we talk about the idea of finances, at any given moment, right now in this room, in this city, you are surrounded by so much money. Money at the bank, money in a credit card, money that's happening. But we tell ourselves this idea that that's where it has to start. And it doesn't mean, I mean, Sharice is crazy and it works for her that she's like, oh, well, I sold my car. And then I, you know, I'm not saying that that is the step that you need to take. But I do think that if you have the faith that it's going to work out in a certain way, then it does. But I also just want you guys to know, not one of them, not one of them said, well, I started working on this thing. And two weeks later, (laughs) not one of them. It It is a life long journey to become the woman that you want to be. And when we're building a personal brand, a business, a career, it takes time. 
And you may start as a makeup artist and then evolve it into something greater. You may start as an influencer and then that yellow book is in every cute little shop in town. I see you, girl. I'm like walking, I'm like, there's that yellow book again. Good job. (laughs) Right? It keeps evolving. I hope that you caught that, that none of them right now are doing the same business career that they started with. It's in the same world, but it has evolved as they have evolved as women. So thank you guys so much for being here. I hope y'all found it inspiring. If you did, I'm gonna need you to give a little love to these ladies. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.